days, there will be perilous times. It will be very difficult. For people will be lovers of self and lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappreciative, slanderous, no self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people turn away. Now, I'm going back to 1 Kings chapter 18. But can I just describe for a few moments where I want God to open our hearts and spirits tonight? Is our culture declining? And is even the standard of what is called the church in America declining? Are there imposters who will preach a word but cannot have the power therein to live it? Are we in perilous times? Does history really repeat itself? Those were the questions that began to stir my heart. I began to go back and look at the Roman Empire. Signs of decay began to happen. And the frightening thing is I could compare America in every area. The first sign that the decline was coming to the Roman culture is society no longer believed in only one true God. The second indication that the end of the culture and society was coming to the end the family began to deteriorate from within. The third important factor that this culture was beginning to decline was there was a low view of life and murder to children did not seem to even bother anyone. The fifth or the fourth sign that began to come to the society was their moral ethics began to decline and there was no moral standard anymore. What felt good, do it. The fifth troublesome sign to the decay of the Roman Empire was an increase of violent crimes and particularly among young people. Are you aware right now that the gangs are on the uprise like never before in American society because they now have become substitute families because parents provide, but parents don't have relationship. Provision is never a relationship. The sixth decline was that the middle class vanished and there was only the low income and the rich. The seventh sign was that the government began to get more control because they felt like people could not identify how to live. 
The eighth sign was that the morals so decayed that they could literally do whatever made them feel good and have no conscience because it was seared and they no longer knew right from wrong. The ninth decaying was that the ruling class, which was the lower class, not the rich, lost its will to even fight or engage in a battle to change anything. And the tenth indication was that civilization finally accepted failure and the abnormal became normal. Can I talk to you? The word perilous times is a very interesting word because I cannot tell you if we are in the last days, but I can tell you that we're in the last of the last days because of Second Timothy. And the increase of all that we read in it is prevalent right now in our nation. I can tell you that it's perilous times. The word in Greek means that the enemy will put an assignment on you to reduce your strength so that you no longer fight against anything. You put up with everything because the enemy has convinced you it cannot change. In psychology terms, we would put it a dysfunctional family. Dysfunctional is not a biblical word, but it comes from a Latin word, D-I-S. It literally means a demonic witchcraft spirit that begins to put such disorder, it affects people's thinking and the way they live and the way they interact. Can I, can I talk to you? Elijah is stepping into this situation. It is an awesome hour when the church can be as familiar with the world as it is with the church. And that we have no standards or boundaries that literally identify that we are different because we are Christians. The word Christian means Christ-like. That's why they called them Christian in history. They acted like Christ, lived like Christ, sold out like Christ, and the highest calling was not ministry, but to obey the will of God. In the midst of it, now Elijah steps up. Would you walk with me in these scriptures that we left off in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 20. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two opinions? If the Lord is God, you should be following him. But if Baal is Baal, then follow him. And here is what burdens me. And the people did not answer a word. It is a serious time when we are called into accountability by God, but we do not have enough passion inside of us to declare to society, to government, to education, and to the family whose side we're on. These were not only the heathen prophets, 450 of Baal and 400 of Ashtron, 
but the children of Israel. These were covenant people that loved God, and they had so compromised with the world, they couldn't even have an opinion of who God was in their life outside a church service. Can I talk to you? No conviction, searing of conscience, being able to compromise. They didn't open a word. And our nation and our education system and the family unit is in serious trouble because the church has been silent and we have demonstrated in four walls but have affected nothing outside the walls. How long? That was a prophetic question. See, I wish right now I could be Joyce Myers and make you feel good, but that is not my assignment. (laughs) And believe it or not, I am not running for a popularity uh, campaign, so I don't care whether you vote for me or you don't vote for me. I just care that God votes for me. And and I don't have to impress anyone. Do you understand? I don't have to. It's so good to be old. (laughs) You don't have to impress anyone. Not even God. You just have to obey him so that he looks down and says, I think I'll let you live another day. (laughs) That may not be important to you if you are not in your 60s, 70s, and 80s. But hold on to that revelation because when you get there, it will mean a lot and you will squeeze it for all it's worth. (laughs) If the Holy Ghost showed up right now, if the Holy Ghost showed up right now, and prophetically got in your face and asked you the question, what side of the fence are you on? Because that is not an easy question to answer. Because when you get on God's side, he will hold you accountable for every thought, every action, every word, and you cannot get by with anything. You must understand he will apprehend you. And I have found out he does not apprehend us nicely. God is not nice. God is loving. God is kind, but God is not nice. It literally means that God loves you enough that he doesn't care if you get your feelings hurt. He doesn't even care if you cannot line it up with your theology. He does not care if you cannot line it up with your experience. He does not care if you cannot line it up with the board members of your church. He only cares about one thing. Excuse me. Whether you've noticed it or not, I did not relinquish my position. I am still God. So how long? The silence of prayer inside the church has affected our education system. The failure to pray for those who are leaders over you has affected our nation. Can I say this? I'm going to anyway. And if you disagree, it's okay. You've been wrong before. (laughs) 
You have no right to complain about Obama if you are not in the boat paddling in prayer. Because anything that you speak outside of prayer is your opinion, and it does not move heaven, neither does it impress heaven. We will be held accountable. We will stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and he will say, did you pray for the leaders that were over you every day? Oh, it's going to get quiet. Come on, my black friend that I love, she says, it's tight, but it's right. <laughs> when the pressure of the one world church comes upon you, will you be silent? When the pressure of the one world government comes, will you be silent? When the pressure of the one world money system comes, Will you be silent? Because I found this out. If you can't settle it now, you will not settle it then. You know why? Because the demonic pressure is going to be so great. If it isn't a settling factor in the heart of the church right now, we will not be able to stand. Can I talk to you? Turn around and say, she's old. <laughs> How long will you tarry between two opinions? And Elijah, 22, said, I, even I, only am left as a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450. Can I tell you, we're going to be outnumbered in this thing. Come on, church, I'm a bearer of good news. We're going to get to the shouting part. Turn around to someone and say, please. <laughs> There's going to be a great falling away in the church. Just make sure it's not you. Yeah. We're going to be outnumbered. Elijah was outnumbered 850 to 1. See, what are you going to do when your intercessor team isn't standing with you? It's just you and God. What are you going to do when the pressure is on you and the church is not your leaning post, but the God in you has to stand up strong and tall? You will be outnumbered. Because God always makes sure the true church is outnumbered to prove you cannot do it without me on your side. You do understand that the only thing that is holding back the judgment of God in America is our allegiance to Israel. The Bible said if you bless Israel, he'll bless you. If you curse Israel, he will curse you. But you do know that it's hanging on by a thin thread. And the minute that we break alignment with Israel, judgment is coming racing on America. And the church has to be in position. And you do know it's going to happen <laughs> because God's going to make sure every nation turns their back on Israel. Oh, come on. Y'all act like you have not read the book. <laughs> come on. Some of y'all looking like frogs in a hailstorm. That ain't going to happen. I'm going to pray shaka baka handala. Every 
every nation will turn against Israel. And you do know the first battle, three-fourths of them are going to be wiped out. And they're finally going to have the scales fall from their eyes. And they're going to say, I believe we need Jehovah Yahweh. (laughs) How long will you waver? Look at what he said. Let two bulls be given to us and let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, lay it on the wood and put no fire on it. And I'll prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire on it. And you call upon the name of your God and I will call upon the name of the Lord my God. And the one who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people said it is well spoken. (laughs) I'm the speaker (laughs) that wants to focus on your bull. Uh, Just turn to your neighbor and go, "Mm." See, I... We all have a bull. You do know that. What have I done to this poor microphone? Be healed in Jesus' name and get on my ear. (laughs) We all have a religious bull. (laughs) He is fat and healthy. We feed him at every service. We walk with him every day. Anytime we get our feelings hurt in the church, anytime our husband does not believe we are God, anytime our children upset us, anytime we're on the job and they don't see how wonderful we are and how they should be thankful that we showed up. Mm. (laughs) Just turn around and smile at your neighbor and say, do not look at my bull, attend to your own. So Elijah said, you take one bull and I'll take the other. And the God that answers by fire is a true God. You call upon him and then I'll call upon my God. And Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose for yourself one bull, prepare it for there are many of you and call upon the name of your God, but put no fire on it. And they took the bull that was given them and they prepared it and they called upon the name of Baal from morning to noon. Oh, Baal, answer us. (laughs) But there was no voice. But there was no voice. But there was no voice. We are in a religious trap when we move by what we feel and what we see, but void of his voice. See, I happen to believe Jesus can't lie. Well, I had one person that believed that. You know what he said? 
If you're my sheep, you will hear my voice. And there's something when the church, which is a sheep shed, begins to lose his voice. Because he's the shepherd. Listen to it. But no voice came and they limped around the altar they had made. Verse 27. At noon Elijah mocked them saying, Cry out loud for he is God. Either he is sleeping or he is in the outhouse. (laughs) I love it. I understand my sixth sense of humor. Is your God on a pot revealing himself is what it literally means? Or is he taking a nap? Perhaps he's on a journey. Maybe you need to wake him up. Can I tell you a spirit that's inside the church? Listen to me very carefully. We are so worried about the Antichrist when the angel of light is inside the church producing counterfeits. And we have no discernment whatsoever because we believe loud gets God's attention. Personally, this is me, which matters a hill of beans, but I am the speaker. I will give my opinion. But I believe the louder a church gets, the further away from God they are. I only had to yell at my kids when they were down the street. When they're in my presence, I do not have to raise my voice at all. I'm not talking about spiritual warfare. I'm talking about the loudness that is in the church that we believe God will hear us by volume. There are times you get loud. Spiritual warfare, you get loud. Come on, you can't be nice to the devil. Come on, some of us need to learn how to get mean and lean. They shouted loud, but no one heard them. Listen, it goes on. They cried aloud as there was their custom, and they took swords and lances and began to cut their body until blood gushed out. Do you understand first in the natural, then in the spirit? We are in this setting right now. The major problem in junior high, high school, and the major problem in universities and colleges, and even on Christian campuses, is cutting. Your young people are cutting themselves. It is a spirit of bail. Why? Because wherever there's blood, it brings a covenant. Oh, you are not hearing me. We need to discern. What does God see when he looks down and sees cutting a major manifestation in the natural? Where are we to pull it in the spirit that our young people are cutting covenant with the world? Oh, you ain't going to like me. There is no such thing as a Christian tattoo. Why? Because when you get a tattoo, it's the drawing of blood. And whatever that symbol is, you now have cut covenant with it and have become one with it. And you know why I know it's not true? 
Deuteronomy and Leviticus both says, Do not tattoo your body, for I am the Lord your God. Do you understand there's some things God tells you not to do just to see if you're stupid or smart? Church, if we live for another 10 years, which is a question mark to me, if we live for another 10 years, we're not going to be able to see people 40 and under that doesn't have a butterfly or a flower or some kind of tattoo on their body. You would ask me that, wouldn't you? Deuteronomy 14, Leviticus 19. Why? Because God knows that blood and the shedding of blood establishes a covenant. Come on, you couldn't have Jesus, you couldn't have covenant with God without the shedding of blood. That's why you need to understand sex is not the issue out of wedlock. The issue is you've got a little hymen there, and when that hymen is broken, it sheds blood. And whoever you're laying with, you become one with them. When you become one with them, you hear their voice. When you hear their voice, they have influence over you. You do know sex is good. Dear God, help us. (laughs) Come on, church. You do know sex is good. Somebody please say yes. Thank you. And you know why? Come on, church. Because, see, we don't want to talk about sex. Well, that shows me you don't read your Bible. It is an X-rated book. They have people raping each other, incest, sex. You know why it's good? Everything God creates is good. If you're married, you should have good sex. And the men will pay me later. The only time sex is not good is if you're not married and you don't have covenant. That's right. Then it's not good. Don't teach your teenagers that it's not good. You teach them the only time it's not good is out of covenant. When you're in covenant, let it roll. widow but I can close my eyes and have memories that's why we have so many marital problems we don't see it as God sees it so women are unable to give themselves wholly to their husband or husbands are unable to give themselves to their wife because they haven't been healed That's why he said, don't let the marriage bed 
be defiled. That doesn't necessarily mean you bring someone on your bed, but because you did something before you got a marriage bed, if you don't deal with it, it will affect how you process intimacy. Oh, I ought to stop here and preach. About midday, verse 29, it was time for the evening offering, but there was still no voice. And no one answered and no one paid attention. And then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord came saying, Israel shall be your name. Now, can, can I just bear my heart? I know y'all think I'm crazy, but. Baal was a fertility god. He was a god of fertility, but he also controlled the weather. You would think after three and a half years of not answering where there was no rain, they would figure out this god is retarded or dead. (laughs) In the midst of it, The thing that frightens me concerning my own self, because I'm preaching to myself, not just to you, is troublesome times and perilous times always reveals the true character of the person and the level of their faith and the level that they trust God. Church, I just told you what our testimony is. Our faith and confidence in God. Our trust level, that we believe he is greater than situations. Our character that does not get filled with anxiety, worry, or fret. Nervous breakdowns or pills. True character always comes out in hard times. The other thing that comes out in hard times that are going to get harder in America, is our decision of choosing him and his word is going to be the most important thing at all. His word is what is going to empower you, give you faith, and cause you to trust. Trust, I found out, is different from faith. Faith will take you out of anything that you can remove mountains because you have faith in God and he immediately heals you or removes the situation or provides for you. That's faith. Trust is when he won't take you out of it, but you have such a relationship with him, you know you're going to get through to the other side. Personally, I like faith. (laughs) I I vote for faith. I am not one that wants to suffer 
I have never said to God, imprison me. Let them beat me. And I promise you, I will write an epistle to you. The least little thing can happen in my life. And I find out that my prayer is motivated by faith. And most of our faith is not to please God. It's for God to relieve something so we can be pleased. I like faith. I vote for faith. But the problem with it is we're going to have to have faith to recognize when we can push something back and remove it. But a lot of this last day is going to be trusting God to get the church through. That we show the world that we have something that's inner inside of us that's greater than what the world can even process. In the midst of it, I want us to see that now Elijah is going to step up to the altar of the Lord and repair it. I am fixing to give you some prophetic insight that I promise you, not because I said it, but because it's biblical, if you apply it, it works. Because his word cannot return void. I promise you that if you have a family, if you have children, if you have grandchildren, if you want to glorify him in this last hour inside the local church, you would be wise to get a pencil and paper because God is going to talk through his word. It's not what I say, it's what his word says. And the Bible said that he will send his word and heal. Number one, there are two songs you better know how to sing. I'm not downing singing in the spirit, la 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 la, whatever. I'm I'm not taking away from that. But there are two songs recorded in the Bible that you and I, as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, better know how to sing. And if they are in the book, they're in the book because I need to learn how to sing the song. The first song is the song of the Lamb. It is found in the book of Revelation. Worthy, holy, 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 holy. That is not a feeling. H-O-L-Y in the original is W-H-O-L-E. The seraphims are before the throne. They are on his backside. And they say, he makes all things whole. They get on his side. He makes all things whole. They get in front of him. He makes all things whole. They get on the other side. He makes all things whole. What we need to understand is there's one sitting on the throne that is bigger than your opinion and mine, greater than our ideas, and he has come to W-H-O-L-E. You cannot change who he is unless you enter into deception. He has come to restore and make you and I W-H-O-L-E. You cannot look at him in any facet that he does not say, Ho! 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 That means in your mind. That means in your emotions. That means in your body. You are not a worshiper if progressively 
you are not becoming W-H-O-L-E. Come on, it's Bible. Second song. It's found in the Old Testament. Song of Moses. That song is a song that God will deliver us. I cannot mess with your theology. See, we like Psalms 91. Under the sheltering wings of the Almighty God, a thousand will fall at our right and thousand at our left. Psalms 91. And all of us think David wrote it. David did not write Psalms 91. Moses did. (laughs) Moses is saying when he brought me out of Egypt and I was full of hell because you can be called and still need deliverance. Three people. And then when you raise up a church where folk come out of something, but they don't want anything to come out of them, they want you to change their situation, but not how they think, talk, and live. Moses said, I found out that I better know a secret place. Because this thing is going to get scary. And if I'm under the shadow of the Almighty, a thousand will fall at my right and a thousand at my left. The problem is this. You can't claim that scripture. Now when hard times hit, I'm going to be a Psalms 91 person. No, 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 no. (laughs) You have to meet the requirements. You've made him your hiding place. That's a relationship. That means you don't get to hide when everything gets bad. You learn to hide now. The song of Moses and the song of the Lamb are going to be the strength to trust God in this hour. When I went to Shady Grove and Olin Griffin was pastor and he was a Baptist that spoke in tongues and <laughs> we make good Babacostals. <laughs> and the church started singing the scriptures. It was about the stupidest thing that I ever saw anyone do. So Ahab went to all the people of Israel and gathered. I thought, what are we doing? (laughs) And the problem was, none of us knew what we were doing. We just kept looking spiritual. (laughs) Because see, God will get you to do things and then clue you in later. (laughs) You had no idea what I was trying to do. But in singing the word, God was preparing our hearts to know how to sing the song of the Lamb and the song of Moses. 
The lamb has the blood covenant. The song of Moses has the power of deliverance. And listen, the power is Israel was in bondage and had no idea how to get out. And God came after them. Church, listen, this thing in America is going to get so intense. We're not going to know how to get out of it. But God's going to come after his church. Let him hear you sing the song of Moses. You can find it in Exodus. Stay with me because I'm headed somewhere. Turn around to someone and say, I certainly hope so. (laughs) It is dark in America, but it makes me exciting. You know why? It has to get dark for the dawning of a new day. You cannot have a new day without darkness. The church is about to enter into a new day. Before the night falls, Elijah steps forward. He picks up broken stones because the altar is broken down. I'm going to offend someone. I know I am. But please be healed in Jesus' name. You do not have to like me. You get to choose who you like. But you are commanded to love me. Up on Mount Carmel, I have preached. Somewhere on Mount Carmel, I really believe that Jezebel, while she was seeking out Elijah to kill him, someone came up on Mount Carmel. Elijah wasn't there, but there was an altar and they tore it down because it represented the God of Elijah. The charismatic movement or the spirit-filled movement or the Pentecostal movement, God only knows what we're supposed to call ourselves, whatever it was, we laid down the altars and they began to break down and now people are geared to a prayer line. Stay with me because I'm, I'm talking to you about what we have to do to restore the church, to position her properly in divine order for fire And rain. We now have people that do not know how to get to God. They come to the elders of the church and the people that we appoint that are intercessors and they have a prayer line and everything they have need of, they express it in a prayer line. Stay with me. The problem with it is nothing is wrong with a prayer line inside of the church because that's where you pray the prayer of faith. That's where God meets your needs. But that is not where you get committed and that is not where you can deal with sin. Come on, I want to talk to you. So what we have is a sin epidemic inside the church because the altars are torn down and there is nowhere for people to come to the altar and have an encounter with God and God to sacrifice something in them. And the altar is what strengthens your commitment. The commitment in the American church is so weak it is frightening to me.
and you can't get committed in a prayer line with God touching you and providing for your needs, you get committed at an altar because the altar is the cross. And our concept of the cross is so off balance because we see it as salvation and provision but have no idea what it cost him to try to work a commitment in you that you will not waver back and forth. It's broken down. But what I love about this prophet He steps up in the middle of the church and says, if something's broke, God can help you repair it. Restore it is one word. Rebuild it. I'm going to press hard. And then Pastor Yvette's going to get you all straightened out. (laughs) Altars are not in the church service. Because every time someone comes to try to have an encounter with God, we have someone laying hands on them and start praying over them. And the minute you get involved, it shifts to a prayer line. Because altars are one on one. You and God. Why? A false balance is an abomination to God, but a just weight becomes his delight. When I am sick, I call for the elders of the church. Why? Because I have to recognize the God in you on my journey. Let every joint, come on church, we're talking Bible. Let every joint fully supply the body of Christ. So God's going to make sure on my journey there is something that I cannot get until you lay your hands on me. The balance is, I've got to know how to find God by myself. I have an altar at church sometime when I respond to the word. Sometime it's a prayer line. But I have an altar in my home. My kids know where my altar is. They hate it. It's the ugliest old blue chair you've ever seen in your life, and I have cried and snotted all over it. (laughs) And my son is here, and he will testify, Mom, the minute you die, the first thing we're going to do is throw that ugly chair away. It is horrible. They forced me to move it out of the living room into my bedroom because it was an embarrassment to to their friends. (laughs) It has old claw legs on it. The cushion is made of horse hair. It, it, it isn't comfortable. An altar is never a comfortable place. But all that snot and tears on that, on that cover is where I have cried tears of joy when God gave me a breakthrough and a victory. And my praise was where I live, not a church service. Some of the tears and snot are over the hell that my kids put me through. Oh, y'all acting like your kids are angels. 
You do know when they flash <laughs> that number that they give you at the nursery, number 47, number 47, number 47. It really is politely announcing to you, your angel has turned into a demon. Please pick him up. <laughs> There are tears that I shed that have yet to be answered. There are misunderstandings at churches and God's people and leaders that I don't even know what happened. There are tears when my husband died and we spoke the word of faith over him and God came that morning at my altar and said, I'm going to take him home. That wasn't what I wanted God to say. That wasn't the answer that I was praying for. But those are the moments you trust him when you cannot understand his decision because it doesn't line up with your opinion. There are moments where some of us are right now about to lose our home and our finances are upside down and we just have to understand I'll be the best bag lady God ever put on the street. I will have rhinestones on my bag. sicknesses in our body sometimes that we pray the prayer of faith. We have the elders anoint us. We cry out over and over and disease and sickness seems to not want to lift from us. Because sometimes our prayers are on delay, not denial. The delay is what makes me trust him. These 12 stones are so missing in the church and missing in my life. I have gone to Mount Carmel to pick them up again and brush them off because the Bible says, don't remove the ancient boundaries of your father. And these 12 stones were the sons uh, of Jacob. They were the sons of Jacob that their name would become Israel. The first stone was Jacob, which means wrestling. We have not taught the church how to wrestle until God does something eternal inside of us. We don't teach them that sometimes you can't get to God. God has to drop a ladder from heaven and get to you. Sometimes it'll be a hard place that will challenge everything you believe and everything you think about. But God will break through in your life. And when he breaks through, in your life, you will wrestle with God. He will smite your thigh. You will walk out of step with the thing that Jacob's first name meant. Deceiver, surplanter, always a liar. That's character issues. And only wrestling with God can transform you and I. 
character's changed. We don't want to talk about that in the church. We don't want to talk about the next name that meant Reuben, behold a son. Sometimes my focus just has to be on him. And my focus cannot lean to the right or the left because I don't know where I am. I don't know where I'm going and I don't know what he wants to say. Sometimes it's Simeon. I just have to hear him. And whatever he says, I have to obey him. Sometimes it's Levi. I have to attach myself back to the kingdom of God. Sometimes it's Judah, praise. Sometimes it's Issachar. I need to just rest in God until I find his peace. Sometimes it's Zebulun. He's building a continual city. Sometimes it's Benjamin, son at the right hand of God. Sometimes it's Dan. He judges so he can set me free. Sometimes it's Naphtalon, the enthroned one, wants to rule over my life again. Sometimes it's Gad, a great army that God's putting together. And the captain of the Lord of hosts is Jesus Christ himself. And sometimes it's Asher. I am blessed of the Lord, not just because of prosperity and the goodness of God I'm blessed because from glory to glory he's changing me and in this end hour I can represent the kingdom of God in the earth there is no higher calling this old prophet started brushing off those stones and the Bible said he built an altar Why? Because when we forget those truths, church, something needs to be repaired. Something needs to be repaired in the church. I hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ's solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. The only thing that will stand in this hour and glorify the kingdom of God is those who build their life and all that he is on the rock. The gates of hell cannot prevail against it. It can give it my best shot. I am standing before you tonight hemorrhaging. The doctor can't even find where it is. It's all in my stomach. I've been through every kind, every kind of test. And I'm hemorrhaging. My blood count is dropping. My lungs are failing. But on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Because I don't stand because it's right. I stand because I know the one who can make it right.
toughen up. God's having mercy on you. I'm only work, working on six spark plugs. <laughs> you should be around when I get fired up with eight. Turn around to someone and say, God really loves us. <laughs> I need to close. Water baptism. That place that makes you and I be tied into heaven and understand I need God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Walk with me prophetically. Come on, get get your mind in tune to the Word and your heart open to the Word. John the Baptist is beginning to say, there is one coming after me. I'm not even worthy to undo the sandals or untie them. And you will have no trouble recognizing him. He will baptize you in the Holy Ghost and with fire and in his hand is a winnowing fork. Jesus is not in the church if all three of those things are not happening in people's lives. John said this is his identity. Holy Ghost, fire, a winnowing fork. He knew Jesus as his cousin. His cousin starts towards him, but it is a prophetic moment because Jesus spent 30 years learning how to live with a family and only three and a half years of ministry. My question is, what's more important, family or ministry? And what's more difficult? Because see, we forget he's the son of man. He's wrapped up in a human body, dirt, just like you and I, and God is inside of him. Thirty years he lives with this family because God wants us to understand. In the book of Genesis, I started with the family. And when you lose the concept in the church that we're raising up a family... Come on, that's why we call each other sister and brother. That is not a religious term. That's a family term. And you know this. You don't get to choose who's in your family. You know this. (laughs) Your family can be wonderful one moment and sent from hell the next moment. Here comes Jesus. John has a prophetic moment. The church has got to have a prophetic moment to identify who the Son of God is. 
Here comes Jesus walking towards John. And John says, behold, come on church, the lamb. Jesus says, baptize me. He said, I have need for you to baptize me. Baptize me so that all righteousness can be fulfilled. Listen to me, church. He's standing there in a prophetic moment because he wants you and I to understand water baptism is a prophetic moment. And sometimes we go down and come up and we don't touch a prophetic moment in heaven for the identity of who the Son of God is. Finally, John submits, puts him under the water, baptismos him. Please, I don't care how they baptize you. I don't care if they pour a pitcher over your head. Please let them get wet enough so that we know where you've been. Because baptismo means to emerge, not sprinkle. Come on. It's tight. Come on, but it's right. (laughs) He comes up. Walk with me prophetically. He comes up. The heavens open. Because you have to have an open heaven to identify who Christ is. If we don't have an open heaven, we have religious thoughts, God thoughts, come on, but not his voice involved. The heavens open prophetically and a voice comes from heaven because it had to descend and identify the Son of God for him to ever be able to stand against hell, uh, uh, fulfill the will of God. Come on, church. You can't do the will of God without the voice of God. This is my son in whom, come on church, I'm well pleased. You know why Jesus had to have that? Come on. Because he's going to have some opposition out there and he'll get very insecure in the man part if he doesn't know the God part inside of him. And listen, we need a Hebraic mind right now. When you see men, sons, brethren, come on, that doesn't mean gender. Those were words they called male and female. Oh, it's going to get quiet. <laughs> Let the women be silent in the church. You know that's a misinterpretation. Women cannot be silent anywhere. Come on, even when we're not saying something. Come on, we can say it. Brethren mean the gathering together of male and female that represent God and want to hear His voice. This is my son. 
You know God isn't hung up about gender because when you got saved, you were not a daughter of God. That's not what He called you. He identified you at your salvation as a son of God. Why? Because if He doesn't put His identity of heaven on you, He can't work it in you. If He doesn't speak it, it can't come to pass. I love it. The voice comes. The sun's in the water. The voice comes from heaven from the Father. And a dove gets involved. Come on, wherever Father God's voice is speaking and Jesus shows up, we were crazy to think we could keep the Holy Ghost out of the church. Oh, y'all are not. Come on, because he's going to start flying around. Excuse me, that's my father, and I see the sun. You can't keep the Holy Ghost out of the church. Come on, but we will. Come on, church. Remember, come on, the name of the Lord our God. Woe unto those who go down to Egypt for help. And rely on horses who trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong. But they do not look to the Holy One of Israel. Neither do they consult the Lord. Woe unto them. One drop. I've been battling this thing with my health and Battling finances, you have to. One Wednesday night, I I went up to the altar, got down on my knees, and I have a grandson that's mentally challenged. He thinks he speaks in tongues. He gets next to me and he goes, la, 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 la. And if we're in warfare, he'll go, la, 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 la. And his mom gets upset and says, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing. I said, no, honey, what you don't understand is he may be mentally challenged, but his spirit is not handicapped. And so I'm down at the altar. I like to call it intercession. Doesn't that sound good? It's really a pity party. It goes good. He wants you to know. That I have been your faithful servant. <laughs> God, I, I want you to know that I've always been true to my husband. I don't cuss, I don't smoke, I don't have sex. <laughs> and, isn't it amazing what we'll tell God as though he's retarded? <laughs> and so I'm telling him all this. And so I'm really having a pity party. I like intercession better. Well, some little hand gets on the back of my shoulder. La, la. La, 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 la. Nobody in the church knows what I'm going through. Over here, my grandson. La, la. La, la, la. That lasted about three minutes. And my grandson took his two little hands 
slapped me on the face. <laughs> Pulled my head up and said, Nick, you just need to get a grip. Jesus is still Lord. <laughs> and I looked at him and went, la, 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 la. God's in control. Oh, we're going to have to go back and repair some things and look at some ancient truths and return back to biblical principles that we somehow lost on our journey. But when we do it God's way, rain and fire come. That water came from the Mediterranean Sea. It's You don't call for fire with water and salt. That puts fire out. But God's going to make sure this last move, you're not going to understand it. You just have to obey it. He's going to reveal himself as God. The church is going to become the house of prayer again. We're going to have faithful, committed people that tell God, how did I ever think I could live my life without you being involved every day. We're going to have showers of blessings from the rain that softens every hard area and fire that falls that burns up everything that's dross and sin. Don't quit. Here's my heart to you tonight. To the generation church. And to the people that will come. Please don't quit. When things go wrong and sometimes they will. When the road that you're on seems all uphill. Please don't quit. Please don't quit. When the funds are low and the debts are high and and you want to smile, but all that's left inside of you is a sigh. Please, please, don't quit. When care is pressing you down a bit and rest if you must, but please don't quit. Life is strange with its twists and turns and every one of us sometimes learns. Please don't quit. There are many of failure, but there's always a turnaround. When he might have won, if he just stuck it out. Please. Please hear the heart of God. Don't quit. Don't give up, though the pace seems slow. You may succeed with just another blow, please. God has need of you. Don't quit. Success is failure that's turned inside out, and the silver tint of the clouds of doubt will soon pass away when you see his face. There will be no race. You cannot run. Please. Please, don't quit. 
You never can tell how the dose that is given to you with a heavy blow, you can never tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems so far, so stick to the fight, when the hardest hit comes and when things seem worse. Hold on tight to him. But please, please, don't quit. Don't quit. Church, I'm not a doomsday person. But I must relate to you the troublesome times that are ahead of us. And the battle that America has never seen in the history of her as a nation. But please, don't quit. There is power in the blood. There is strength in his word. There is victory in his praise. There is surrender in his worship. That will cause you and I not to quit. Hear his voice again. Come. Follow me. Don't quit. Don't quit. The pressure will be on us to walk away. Because it will be easier. But if we hold on, he will always be there for us. And we will see the glorious church come forth that will honor and glorify him. Don't quit. Can you look at your neighbor and say, don't quit. Don't quit. But the Spirit of the Lord would come to you indeed. And you say, Lord, why me? There are so many women who need to hear and see. But the Spirit of the Lord comes and says, I have need of thee. For it is like a well that bubbles on inside. And I want to release it, for it comes from my side. For when the water and the blood mix together, indeed it bursts eternal things that set people free. I have made you a team that you may plow this ground indeed. And I have made you a team so you can sow the seed and see the victory. I call to you this night indeed, for I am raising up your husband to be apostolic, you see, to have the heart of a father and to nurture indeed and to comfort those that are in Zion, you see. But I have raised you up as a prophet indeed, that the word of the Lord may mix with the heart of the Father indeed, and it will be a clear word where people will know God is in the house, you see. For I call male and female to stand side by side indeed. For did I not say in my word that your sons and your daughters will prophesy indeed? And I tell you I'm about to liberate this place that they may know indeed that Jesus is Lord and this land belongs to me. 
a fresh and new anointing will rest upon your husband indeed and a fresh and new anointing will rest upon you you see for I will cause you to be like an orchestra that plays a melody for one makes one sound and the other makes another indeed and it brings a melody up to heaven you see be strengthened in the Lord and know this truth indeed that it was not by might nor by power indeed but by my spirit I came after thee. And I have made you a sensitive woman indeed for discerning of spirits and seeing blends in with my heart indeed. 